Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The following contest is scheduled for 60 minutes. Give me a hell yeah! Oh my god! The rain just exploded! I apologize, you son of a bubbly! I'm better than you, and you know it! Season 3, Episode 9 of Monday Night Gore. A little bit later than usual, but better late than never. And we still have a stellar show for you tonight. Thank you very much for listening here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever else. And please do follow us on Twitter, at Monday Night Gore. That's capital M, capital N, capital G, where you can get involved in all the discussion. My name's Andy Goldman, being joined as usual first by Mr. Rob Edwards. Rob, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, not bad, Andy. Afternoon, gents. Bloody hot weather at the moment, but gets me through the day being able to do the podcast for you, lads. So excited to get into all the rest of them. Mr. Connor Faraday is also here. Connor, how have you found this week's wrestling? Good afternoon, lads. Uh, wrestling's been great this week. Um, really stepped up. We've we've been critical of uh, especially Raw in the upcoming uh, in the past weeks, but I thought this week um, put in a really good show. I think overall really enjoyable, and can't wait to get into it in more detail. And this week is a very special edition of Monday Night Gore, as we have a special guest joining us this week. It's longtime friend of Mr. Faraday, aspiring director, listener of the show, and of course, a wrestling fan, Mr. Ian Dando. Welcome to the show, Ian. Yes, let's do it. Thank you, boys, for having me on. <laughs> Ian Dando, aka Goldboy, aka the Smart with the Bark. Big man, big man, get me in Raw Underground. I'll take a few bumps. Good to be with you, gents. Thank you for having me. Lovely to hear it. Thank you for joining us, Ian. Uh, what have you made of the wrestling this week, mate? Oh, man, it's difficult. Um, I think the way a show ends kind of gives you a real like perspective on whether you enjoy the show or not. It can kind of change how you feel. And Raw, man, that ending last night was just crazy. I can't lie. That, for me, was just got me so excited to see Drew and Randy face off. But, um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. AW, NXT... Um, thought were really, really solid as usual, and I thought SmackDown stepped up a little bit as well. So yeah, enjoyed it. Good man. I'm glad you mentioned the ending of Raw because I mean that, that is really the only place we can possibly start. It, it said shockwaves all over social media. It was partly expected, partly unexpected, uh, but the brutality of it, especially. Of course, I'm talking about Randy Orton. He defeated Kevin Owens in the main event on Raw on Monday, and afterwards he had a very emotional segment with Ric Flair in which he uh, completely cut down the Nature Boy. Ric Flair resorted with an emotional speech and ended up getting a low blow and a punt kick to the head. Connor, I'll start with you. What did you make of this mad ending? Absolutely brutal. Haven't we been calling out for this? We've been calling out for the legend killer, the apex predator, to come back and take over Monday Night Raw. And that is exactly what he is doing. I loved it. I thought it was built up perfectly. The low blow was excellent. I loved almost the lights cutting out when he did the punts. You could just hear the, hear the noise. Sometimes the sound is more important than the actual visuals. Even though I didn't, I didn't properly see it, I felt it. You know, the, the sound and the power of that punt kick. And the way Ric Flair was getting all emotional, just saying, I want to see you, I want to see you do well. And Randy basically turning on him. Listen, I said it to you before, didn't I? I said I loved how he was taking out all of the legends and he's just added another legend to the list. And then Drew running in, you know, it gets you pumped, doesn't it? It gets you wanting to see that match. I thought it was done brilliantly, I have to say. Full credit to WWE. 
What about you, Rob? I mean, Rick Flair, I think you mentioned this, wherever he comes back, he seems to be absolutely Mate, destroyed by members of Evolution. Punch, didn't he? Mate, he, gets, he got destroyed by Batista last year. They'll get fucking a punt. He's in his 70s, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah, 75, I think. Christ, man. Fair play to him. Gives, gives his all to WWE. Yeah, flipping brutal, that ending. I didn't actually think he was going to do it, and he fucking that sound fucking made me shit myself. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Connor said a few weeks ago, calling out he needs to do it to Ric Flair, and he did, and he's just destroying people. And as you said, he gets us so pumped for that. Well, it will be main event. It kind of has to be main event. I think, looking at the card at the moment of SummerSlam, I think he's going to take the belt off him, to be honesty. And I don't really mind if he does, because he is he's turned into an absolute monster again. Out of everyone on WWE at the moment, I think he's probably come out of this lockdown period looking the best out of all the superstars. He's had a new lease of life, and the man's an absolute psycho. And he, I love it, don't get me wrong, but he's a freaking psycho. Ian, he's in his a, head. Those voices fourth... are saying some weird things to him at the moment, but I freaking love watching it every week. So, Absolutely. Uh, Ian, he's a 14-time world champion. He's closing in on Ric Flair's record. That's what he said. Are you like Rob? Would you like to see him beat Drew McIntyre, or would you like to see Drew's reign evolve, if you like? This is such a tough question, if I'm going to be completely honest, because um, when Drew beat Brock at WrestleMania, I was like, I think really it started at Rumble when I looked at Drew win the Rumble and I was like, this is exactly what WWE needs right now. They want it in Roman, that kind of like, he has that superstar look to him. He can go in the ring. He's got promos down. He's got that intensity. He's got, you know what I mean? He's over six foot. Vince loves it. Like he has this, a bit. he looks like a hero and that's exactly what they want in Roman. I feel like, we got that with Drew because it was organic. Like the fans wanted Drew, we pushed for him and, and it always feels better when we want it and we kind of got it. Um, and I just feel as if Drew was like kicking out at one, he was just coming out, he's doing kip ups, he's just showing up athleticism. Like he's just been on another level, but I feel as if his challenges haven't been quite as good as him. So I feel as if his reign hasn't been nearly as good as it could be because there's not enough stars around him, there's not enough heels. Him being a big guy, it's like, it's very hard to get a heel who looks intimidating against him. So you had to go to Bobby Lashley sort of and try and build him up sort of thing. So I've been for Drew and I've said since day one, I want Drew to be champ for a very long time, but it's so difficult now seeing how good Randy is and how, I don't know, just despicable how on form he is right now. Without crowds, Randy is the best performer in all WWE, like without a doubt. So, and then I think the whole Rick bringing up the title reign was really interesting because we only ever hear it with John Cena. It's always, oh, when's John going to get it? When's John going to get it? So for them to flip it and be like, yo, Randy's still here, still kicking. Like, John's gone. He's gone to Hollywood. He's doing his stuff. Um, and it made me think. I was thinking, yeah, like, Randy's not like far, you know. That's a good story. So, I don't know, man. I'm leaning towards Randy at the moment, but my heart wants Drew. My heart still wants Drew. Well, fair enough. you want, though, isn't it, Andy? The fact we, we can't... Because as, as Ian said there, his challenge is so far... Honestly, have been pretty shit, to be mm. honest with you. That luster. the last one. Yeah, that luster. And now he's coming up against someone who is at the top of their game. I, I, I wouldn't have an issue with it going either way, but I can't call it, to be honest. As I, I love Drew the same as Ian, the man, and I'd happily see him hold the title for so long. But the Randy is at the top of his game. It's so difficult to not. And as he's so close to the record as well, it looks so difficult to look past him. But just makes you even more pumped, to be honest, at the fact that that match and it could go either way. I wouldn't like to call it. Up to Vince, isn't it, what he wants to do at the end of the day. <laughs> what plans he's got. He could end up butchering the whole thing, but we, we shall see. Yeah, and Connor, I feel like you've been echoing what Ian said throughout this whole 
story in that since, since Drew won the belt and since Randy started this new gimmick, started starting with Edge sort of thing, you've been really saying that you're all for Randy and you like Drew, but are you sort of similar to Ian that you can't quite decide which way you want to go? Because there are pros and cons for both, aren't there? There really are. And, and Drew is at the top of his game. You know, we've, we've only, you've only got to see, you know, his matches that he's had. Like he's kicking out a one after, you know, famouses and super kicks and, you know, he's getting out of full Nelsons, you know, stomps and everything so he's clearly at the top of his game but for me I just think the way that they've they've like I said they've built up Randy and it's almost like he's flourished behind closed doors you know you see most of them have been really struggling and have openly said that it's not the same it feels like Randy's just like you know taking to it like a duck to water basically he's just carrying on like everything's normal and he's best when he's sadistic and he and he's vile and he and he's horrible and and that is how he is and I, and I just think why stop the train when it's at full speed, to use another analogy? Absolutely right. And definitely look forward to that one at SummerSlam. As Rob rightly said, I, you assume main event, uh, but we'll keep an eye out for that. So from one example of attempted murder to another, uh, Seth Rollins decided that he was going to take out all his frustrations on Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic, with some kendo stick shots. Right at the start of the show, after a, uh, a little, uh, conference, if you like, with Samoa Joe in the ring. Uh, now, what do you think of this one, Rob? I mean, this was absolutely brutal. It was just a brutal show, this one, wasn't it? What do you think of Dominic getting hazed in the ring? He did, mate, he's take, I mean, I remember when he got absolutely ruined by Lesnar on the first night of when the Browns fit back in October. Got absolutely destroyed then. He got put through the mill again last night. I mean, I enjoyed it, don't be wrong, but you've got to remember, how old, he's only a kid, isn't he? He's our age, I think, yeah. Yeah, so the absolute brutality that Seth's going through. But at the end of the day, it gets me, um, I'm actually quite excited for this match. I mean, we've been saying we're bored of Seth and his gimmick, but I'm excited to see Dominic in the ring first time, and I'm sure Seth will um, do a brilliant job of putting him over. So I'm extremely excited for the match, but what happened last night, I mean, they just absolutely ravaged him. I felt a bit bad because he's kind of on his own. His daddy's <laughs> had his eye taken out. That, that, that's the one eye, mate. Is that kind that's of... got one eye. <laughs> Alistair Black's been destroyed as well, which he touched on. So he's kind of on the o his own at the moment. But um, it was just, it, was, it added to a very good show last night. I have to say, I've, Raw, I do struggle to um, pay attention for the whole three hours of it. It does, it does wear away at my attention span. But no, parts like that, I thoroughly enjoyed, I have to say. Good stuff. And Ian, this has been a real hot topic on this show for a while now. Seth Rollins, is he getting a bit stale? You know, we felt like, you know, sort of went around when Becky left, around that time, I just thought Seth, oh, he's a bit boring. Now he turned heel, he was a bit generic, he was sort of like a godlike Jesus figure and it was, a, it was all a bit strange and odd. You know, we had his little uh, collection of people with Murphy and Austin Theory who eventually left. Uh, what do you make of it? And do you think that this has sort of reinvigorated interest in Seth Rollins, this view with Dominic? What, what's your take on it all? Um, Seth's so interesting right now, to be honest, because it's like, and he even touched on it in Raw when he was like, you know, what do you want me to do? Like, I've been this person for you. I've been this person for you. I've been this person for you. And it's kind of like, I mean, I'm wearing a Monday Night Rollins t-shirt right now. So I've, there's been so many like incarnations of Seth. And I just feel if there's one person on the roster, and I think it kind of links back to my issue, probably my biggest issue with Randy winning is this kind of, are we going backwards? Because it's like Seth seemed as if he was the next option after Roman to go forward with the company as a top guy. Um, and I just think he suffered from booking. I really don't think, and I really don't think it's Seth himself. He's really just suffered from booking. Like I watched um, Seth versus Brock from SummerSlam last night. And Seth comes into that arena, he's getting booed 
and then he turns around that crowd with the match. But that's what Seth does. Like when he's in that ring, when he that's where he's his best. And I feel as if even with the character when it first started, it was kind of it was really cool. It was interesting. He was like this delusional heel who was kind of doing the good, but he was still a heel, and he you know, had his black suit on, and he was just beating up people, and it was kind of like this kind of like mafia sort of vibe. And then they kind of you know changed it to this messiah character, which you know kind of worked. But I feel as if it only works when he's got a lot of people around him. Um, with AOP gone, Austin Theory, I don't know where he is, it kind of feels a bit like, okay, you're kind of just leading one person who is even like showing a little bit of cracks himself, questioning Seth. So I don't know. I feel as if Seth suffered from booking so much over the last few years. Um, you can just look back at his return when, you know, he's this huge baby face and then the next night he was a heel. It's like, I think they don't, they don't know what they want from Seth. And it's kind of frustrating to watch. But I think in this program, he's found something that works. Um, he's being brutal. Like when he's talking to the camera, talking to Ray directly, it's just like, oh man, like that is that is what Seth can do. Yeah. So I don't know. Seth's. I think we've got to wait to, for crowds to come back to really see where Seth stands. To be honest, and where they go with his character. I think. Absolutely. I like, I like the, the transition that you made between you know Seth Rollins at the at the start of his early run with the Brock Lesnar's and that uh, and coming up to now. I mean, kind of you sort of. I remember when he had the match with Bray Wyatt, especially uh, the Hell in a Cell match, where it ended very abruptly. That was when the tide started to turn for him. He started getting booed. And that's when you started to really turn him as well. But to Ian's point, do you feel like now he's sort of found his niche in a feud with Ray and now his son? Do you think that this is the perfect feud for him? Because the lads have just said, and I agree with them, that I'm invested in this particular feud where I haven't been with Seth Rollins' feuds in the past couple of months. So where do you stand on this one? Let, let's just, let me just say this first. When, like Ian said, it, it's totally bookings. This is not me going against Seth Rollins and me not thinking Seth Rollins is good at his job. That's totally wrong. I think Seth Rollins is one of the best superstars in the company, but the bookings were terrible. You know, whoever decided to end a Hell in a Cell match because of a brutality against The Fiend, I mean, who books that, seriously? And then all of a sudden, Seth hated. And it, he must have turned around, walked in afterwards and gone, Christ, you've really fucked it up here. I'm, I'm stuffed now because they're going to hate me. Um, and you know, you fast forward to now. I am invested. You know, you you've said it before, Andy, that they've been they've that Dominic's been in training and he's been in the PC and he's been trying to get himself up to fitness. And now it looks like he's going to get his time to flourish. And it's the perfect time with Rey Mysterio on the injury bench. And you know, he needs to fight for his father's legacy. I mean, Carrillo was absolutely useless on Monday. What he got destroyed in like five he's, minutes. He's um, useless anyway, mate. Get him off fucking television. He's useless. <laughs> Can't stand the kid. Right. And then obviously uh, Alistair Black got hurt as well when Murphy put his eye in. But whoa, that was so brutal, wasn't it? You know, it's like, you know when you play uh, 2K19 and you do the career mode and mm. you get your first match and you've got Braun Strowman and they're like, right, you need to get absolutely annihilated by Braun Strowman and then we'll decide whether you're good enough. You get absolutely killed and then Triple H's like, yeah, you're ready. Yeah. That's what I felt it was like. I felt like that was his test. It was like, take the kendo stick. And then we'll see where you're at. But, mate, Seth's going to be a dad. How can he justify doing that to a kid? I it's mean, the Messiah gimmick, isn't it? That's his, that's his new thing. It's you can't justify music. it. I just can't. Uh, why they've got rid of his, his music banged, why have they given him this shitty Messiah? <laughs> I think it's to make you hate him <laughs> no even more. Effort. It's yeah. It is to make you hate him more. And it works, because you hate it. It does work. You hate it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, uh, but what I was saying was, uh, it, it makes me invested in the match. I mean, the fact that he can be so twisted and, and can basically, you know, you see the welts on Dominic. I mean, and people call wrestling fake. I mean, that is some serious, 
serious um, cuts on him. But it gets you excited. It gets you excited for the match, and you think, "Wow, he really is twisted. If he can do that to to Rey Mysterio's kid, a man who's never set foot in you know in, in a match before." So I'm really excited. And I mean, it could go either way, couldn't it? He could put Dominic over, or they could or they could switch it and have have Seth win. You could really do either way. Absolutely right. And we uh, ask, you know, can I ask, ask you guys a quick question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Is anyone kind of watching that and thinking, you know, Samoa Joe stood up for Tom Phillips last week. Um, and, you know, he was really like, you know, in his face. He's like, you're not going to harm Tom. And then he's just watched the 23 year old get like two of them brutalized. And I'm sitting there thinking, Joe, are you like just watching? Like, I know you mentioned uh, like later in the thing, he was like, oh, I was handcuffed to, the, to his announcements because he's not, you know, medically clear. But it's like, you can medically clear not to wrestle. But you, I mean, anyone can throw hands. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's not be up. Like, go help him. I agree. Clutch, I agree. Surely can't he? I would have thought. Yeah. Really he was think. just enjoying it. He was enjoying the brutality. Thinks, I think Tom Phillips, I doubt Tom Phillips can hold his own in the fight. I think he's probably, maybe he's thinking Dominic can probably hold his own a bit. True. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bit, he, was, yeah. he was tied up, you know. Yeah, he was tied <laughs> up in the road. Couldn't really hold his own. I, I, it's a good point here. Like, that was a bit of inconsistency there, I think, with the booking. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Samoa Joe's involvement is. But, yeah, it seemed a bit pointless I like him in, on in the ring. No, I'm, I'm yeah. People are saying they like seeing back in the ring. I don't, I don't really know where he fits in at the moment. So, I don't yeah, mind. He's, really on he's quite good. He's better than the two sat next to him, I have to fucking say, to be honest. Byron. Byron. Byron's a waste of a... Waste of oh, fucking space. So, uh, I don't mind Byron. <laughs> so. But if we talk about it, we get bogged down with Byron Saxon. We've got to move on because, you know. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't, I wasn't well no, he doesn't Absolutely. deserve my attention. Carry on, Andy. But from one section of Raw to another. Now, this has been uh, a new gimmick of Raw. I don't really know how to describe this. It's Raw Underground. It was the brainchild, allegedly, of Shane McMahon. It's kind of like it has hallmarks of the Brawl for All back in the uh, late 1990s where it was a shoot fight tournament, real shoot. I don't think this is a real shoot, but it's presented as a real shoot fighting tournament. Uh, wrestlers around this sort of uh, underground gym, I guess you could call it, where they go in the ring and have a legitimate fight with each other, try and beat the crap out of each other and uh, either score a pin or a submission or a knockout, whatever it is. Connor, very broadly, what is Raw Underground? Great question, Andy. I'm going to you. What is Raw Underground? I don't know. It's so confusing. It just turned up one week and it's like, yeah, you guys are going to fight each other. And then that's that. Do you, do you enjoy it? What, what, what do you think? I thought he was going to explain. Because when he like came in, he had the mic and he was at the front and you know, he got the little, tight, you know, the little Shane McMahon thing on the bottom. And I, I'm thinking, here we go. He's going to tell me what it is. And then he just went, flipped it and two random people are just fighting in the ring. And what I don't get is they end the match really quickly. So this geezer on the floor, like covering himself up, and Shane's like, "That's it, that's it, that's it. He's gone, he's gone, he's gone." And he runs in and pulls him off. And I'm like, "Shane, he's just trying to block." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's very strange. I don't understand it. I guess it's, it's something different, isn't it? I, I guess maybe something a little bit different. Maybe you know, it's quite fun sometimes. I think because sometimes they put like, what do they have? The first week they had Eric on, and then they had Shane mm-hmm. and Baszler this week, didn't they? And sometimes it's 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 cool to see some of these people but then there's random people like that Arturo Ruaz who came on and then that massive big guy I can't remember his name like these two just randomers who just come in and start beating people up and I'm like anyone going to explain who they are and then they just don't I mean I guess it's something a little bit different and it's something to avert your eyes from the main PC ring which we just seem to be seeing all the time now don't we it's just that same performance center ring the same backstage area so I guess there's a new bit of scenery maybe to look at something a little bit different 
Um, but I couldn't tell you what it is and, and I can't tell you what the real aim of it is, really. It seems like Shane O'Mac just wanted to get back on TV. But it is yeah. good to see Shane O'Mac back. I mean, he, he can be quite entertaining and he is quite funny in there with his yeah. fresh trainers and pulling people off. But uh, no, I couldn't tell you what it is. Now, Ian, just, this is an interesting question. As, as a, a wrestling fan, long-time wrestling fan, do you feel that a underground MMA-style shoot-fighting fight club-like segment on a professional wrestling show does that hurt the integrity of professional wrestling because surely it's, it's saying this is real raw underground is real but what you're seeing isn't real because if if wrestling was real then surely everyone would be doing the same moves the same style that's going on raw underground to have them both in the same show is that not shitting on the rest of the product what, what, what do you think yeah i just think it's very hard for especially because Raw and SmackDown have very much become brands. Um, that's the main, I would say, unique selling point of the shows. It's, it's not really come see this superstar, this superstar. It's come see Raw, come see SmackDown. That's kind of the, uh, the enticing thing. So I think it's hard really to like separate the brand and watch it and then not have this sort of like WWE cookie cutter version. When you watch Underground, it still feels very much like I'm watching Raw because sorry it's my film film student coming out but like cutting the camera like every 10 like 20 seconds yeah. um and it's like it doesn't feel that authentic at all it feels like i'm watching something WWE thinks is mma their version of it yeah. and i'm making me watch it it's like i'm i'm really getting to the point where this whole mma like fantasization from wrestling is really like i i'm watching WWE to watch wrestling <laughs> if i want to watch mma i'll go and watch ufc because that's i know it's real i can i'm gonna watch it i don't want to watch people pretending to do mma on wrestling it kind of like defeats the purpose for me but when like Dolph's out there he's doing amateur wrestling he's doing single leg takedowns he's doing like that's cool like and it was cool it was nice to see Dolph portrayed in a way that was like really serious um but then my problem was i kind of was interested in the first week because I was like, okay, you know, they're doing something here. And Eric came off as this really cool, really like beat up someone really quickly. And then he was on Raw this week. Do you know what I mean? In the 24th, like what is happening? Like, yeah. I've just seen Eric last week really like defined really well in this shoot style, you know, MMA thing. And then now I'm seeing him on Raw and it's just like, okay, like it does make it seem as if WWE is always pandering to this whole UFC thing. It's always pandering to that oh, UFC, oh, we've got this person, we've got this person, this person's got a background, this person's got a background. So it's like, I don't want to watch them do their own version of UFC and it just kind of, yeah, it doesn't have it for me. But when Shayna was in there, that was cool. You know, she was just doing takedowns. I think, so for someone like Shayna, who is that character, who is from that world, yeah, I'll see Shayna in there because she can show people Wagwan. Like, she's from that, do you know what I mean? Like, that's interesting to see. But yeah, it comes to integrity. It does take away from me. It does, to be honest. What about you, Rob? You seen because you know you've seen the product for over a year now. This would be the first time you experienced some sort of experiment, if you like, with the with the product. What do you make of it all? Um, <laughs> um, what I will say is it's it's early days, so I I will give give it time. I think, as Ian said, for people like Shayna, I think it's good. It gives people the opportunity who we don't perhaps see in the ring as much opportunity to flourish, and I think it's very good for Shayna. I think it's one of those things where WWE have come up with a, a little idea that you think, you know what, it's, it, it could go on to be something big. We're going to chuck it on television without really knowing 
where it's going to go in the future. I think that's what they've done. Because I said, I don't really know what it is. It's kind of just fight club thing. But where's it really going to go? I think, as Connor said as well, it's a bit different. Because, as I said, Raw is a long, it's a long show. Especially when you're just stuck staring at matches without a crowd in the performance centre. It's a long time. So I think to try and change up a bit, perhaps while they've done it. I will give it time. At the moment, I have to say, I'm not too invested in it. Um, I love how Shane he was fired and he's, he's not really dwelled on that at all he's just turned up again but I suppose <laughs> WWE isn't it they kind of just scrap stuff that happens in the past but it's, it's just a bit different I suppose I, I will make my opinion on it I'll give it a couple more weeks but at the moment it's, yeah. I, just, I just I don't have too much interest in it to be honest I like the Shane a bit but that, that's about it really I like seeing Dear Madden I found that quite entertaining yeah, what was that Deer about? Madden. He just I turned up, got destroyed, left. Like, yeah, well, and we haven't seen him since he got ruined by Brock Lesnar. But no. it's just some random people on it, and I, I just find it funny that the people around the ring have all got masks on. So I, I, I just don't really understand because like, in the performance center they've got glass up, but in the raw underground where maybe it's more COVID secure, they just all <laughs> got their hands on on the ring and they've all got masks on. I don't, I don't really understand it to be honest. And no. I hope they make it clearer what the whole point of it is and have an objective as well objectives to it like if people win it's going to actually amount stuff rather than people just turn up and fight for a couple of minutes and that's it really I'd say I'd watch Fight Club or something if I want to see stuff like that I'm not Yeah, I'd rather see wrestling as Ian said to be honest so but I will give it time I, I will give WWE time Good stuff. All right, uh, and also on Raw, and we, this is this is a, a cross-brand uh, talking point. This uh, it's a, it's the new group, lads. Retribution. Connie, you said when we were talking about the uh, the uh, the Ric Flair segment, the lights were going off. You know, this this was a, a little running gag the past few weeks. Now the lights have been going off. There's been a group of individuals called Retribution who have been wreaking havoc all over the performance center, smashing glass windows, uh, attacking various members of staff setting fire to shit, I don't know. Anyway, so they turned up on, um, on Raw as well. What would you make of Retribution, Connor? What, what is Retribution, do you think, you know to what? you? It's funny you should talk about this, because uh, before I agreed with our friend Ian here to get him on the pod, he actually sent me a uh, paragraph about it. So uh, I'm not going to go too much into it, because I know Ian has his own sort of theory, and I actually do um, agree with that. But, uh, oh, what do I think of it? I wasn't expecting it. Yeah be honest um we've seen wwe do a few of these things and sometimes they drop them or they completely ruin them i seem to remember last year when roman reigns had his mystery attacker you know dressed in black and that went on for a few weeks um we also had they also have done a few other things along those lines it's very interesting for me because i i when i first saw it so I think it was it was Monday last Monday last week, wasn't it? When they first yeah, the, start, the, you know, the lights and stuff started going. And it yeah. looked like you know it looked like a sort of a big group, you know, what I assumed of was was, was men, um, and and I was sort of unsure how it was. And then I and then I saw SmackDown, and they seemed to be smaller. And then there was women in there as well. So I'm I'm really confused by it, and I'm not quite sure who's who's part of it um the one I've, I've seen to read quite a lot and and seem to be thinking is one of them is champa because we haven't seen him from in your house his height would fit the height level of um you know the people that we saw um but then i'm not gonna lie when i saw the women it really threw me off and and i kind of wasn't sure what the group was or what they stood for but like you said retribution you know 
retribution kind of means coming back at them, rebelling, almost like someone who's been thrown thrown aside and not been used is now trying to get their way back in. Or, or are we talking about somebody that maybe, I don't know, maybe WWE didn't let them come on board and then later now they're coming back to try and get their revenge or something? I really don't know. It's, it's, it's confused me, but it's also excited me because... I like not knowing. I, sometimes I like to be able to guess and other times I like not knowing. And, and I'm sitting there going, okay, maybe they need to look at a different angle from them to keep attacking things and keep chucking things over because that can get maybe a little bit boring. You know, we saw them cut the ring on SmackDown, which I thought was quite interesting and beat up a few of the, of the makeshift crowd. But then on Raw, all they did was really smash a window and flip over a car. And I was a bit like, that hasn't really led on from, from what they did on SmackDown. So they, either they need to sort of get a different angle to keep it building or they need to tell us who it is and, and tell us why they're doing it. Sure, because whilst I'm intrigued, we have seen this before. I, I distinctly remember the debut of the Nexus, that was in 2010, where they, same hallmarks, they came in, they beat everyone up around the ring, they actually destroyed the whole ring area, they ripped uh, the ring canvas itself, they pulled down the ropes, all that, and uh, it led to a long storyline. Eventually the Nexus uh, were destroyed, if you like, by John Cena. It was like during his superhero time where no one could beat him. And uh, it seems to have the hallmarks of that. Now, with Retribution, Rob, Connor mentioned it there. Are they people with a gripe against WWE? Ian, I look forward to your theory in a minute and we'll get there. Uh, my, my idea that I liked, that I thought would be quite cool, is if there were some of the people that were just recently been fired from WWE. So, you know, your Kurt Hawkins, your Eric Young, your Sarah Logans. I thought that would be genius if they got those back and destroyed the PC. But they're all getting signed. Sarah Logan's pregnant. Eric Young and Kurt Hawkins are at TNA or Impact, I should say. Uh, where do you see this one going, Rob? Or do you think it'll be just a wet fart? Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be thrilled if they took the mark of one of them as Kurt Hawkins. I, I wouldn't be too too excited if that was what happened. Well, I was reading earlier before I came on because I've I've looked and apparently Connor mentioned the height differences. Apparently, the people you see in the ring aren't the actual people involved in the group. They've mm. done that to throw us off, which is actually quite a good idea, I think, because obviously Dominic Dijakovic has been linked and he's an absolute giant. So I think it'd be very obvious if you were to see one of him, that he might be involved with it. I do like the idea. It's a bit different. I hope they keep it going because whenever I see them, I'm instantly drawn back to the hacker gimmick that's just completely been dropped. Just they fucked it off completely. That was a brilliant gimmick. But the fact that these people are turning up in person, I feel like they will keep it going. No idea who it is. Not, not a clue behind why they're doing it. I'm sure it will become clearer as time goes on. Again, it's just something a bit different, isn't it? It gets me excited. As I said, I have no idea who it is. I want to know the cause of why they're doing it, of course. I'm, I'm very intrigued, Andy. <laughs> intrigued. It's something a bit different. And that's all I ask every week, that it's something fresh. And I like them turning up and... When they was at SmackDown, they turned up and just beat up all the NXT people on the sidelines. Yeah. People are, I, Do I you mean, uh, when Corey was running and he just stacked them. Oh, that's... <laughs> That was amazing. Cole was gone, mate. Cole was out of there. Cole, Cole never late, sticks around for those kind of things. He's out. My guy's been doing 100 meter sprint practice for that. <laughs> yeah, he's, gone. Gone. he's got some zoomers on him. <laughs> he has. But Ian, I want to. Right, so Connor very briefly alluded to there. Apparently, you sent him a, a paragraph about this. What, what was the content of this paragraph? What, what are you talking about? Oh, man. It's difficult. I think the problem is with WWE is they've completely broken my trust in anything they try and do because similar to what Rob was saying, I do want, you know, fresh, I want different. I feel like with Underground and now with Retribution, they are doing stuff. But I feel like WWE tends to throw things at the wall and hope they stick. And I think you can see it from any sort of like faction stuff they've had before. Like people compared, like you said, Andy, the Nexus to um, Retribution's debut. 
my opinion, like Nexus was like so much better, was more clear, more concise. But that didn't even work in the end. Like it had an amazing start and everything went well, I think. Had a clear goal, clear objective, a clear leader. They had reasons for it. And like you said, Super Cena destroyed them at SummerSlam. So it's like Retribution have this same sort of vibe going on. Um, so I did have this theory. Um, and I'm kind of like watching Raw, Raw this week. And I'm like, oh man, I don't oh, what is happening. Like I was quite interested at first. But I think this like this like almost like kid-like excitement over doing like they're like angsty teenagers it's almost like i'm watching like harley quinn and the you know emancipation of birds of prey like they're just like <laughs> throwing things and be like yeah like just being happy and stuff um so my theory was initially that it was um a, a women-led faction i thought perhaps um because of the word retribution i kind of thought they had a reason to go against something and there was a lot of talk about you know, um, Bailey and Sasha holding up all the gold and, you know, a lot of women being overlooked and like, you know, Natty and Nana were talking a lot about the women and having Ruby and stuff and had all these elements sort of going on. I think what someone said, they saw Vanessa Bourne for NXT and Chelsea Green has been missing. So it's kind of this like a women-led faction which we probably haven't seen before, um, which I thought the size may have played into. But of course, like Rob said, the size could be misleading. Because I feel like, yeah, like you said, the whole retribution thing, I also thought about people who left and, you know, wants to come back, but everyone's been signed. Um, I don't really know who else has an issue with anyone. And I think using women would be topical. I think it would be something we haven't seen before. Um, I think it would then lead to Sasha and Bailey holding all this gold. It kind of leads for them being like primary targets against, you know, this huge group. Um, but I've got to say, yeah, like their chaos, quote unquote chaos, is so lame. Like someone was spray painted on, on the plexiglass and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you couldn't even see it properly. And they're like banging bats against the mat. And it's like, I don't know. I feel as if they were hesitant because with Nexus, they beat up the top people in the groups that it was establishing that these people were to mess with. Whereas Retribution, you know, they chased Michael Cole and Corey Graves and they beat up some people from NXT that I didn't even recognize really. And then, you know, the chainsaw the ring off. So it was kind of like, okay, I don't know if WWE is like really got their heart in retribution, to be honest. I don't like the fact that WWE Twitter was the one telling us as a faction come in. And I hate, there's no nuance I feel with WWE. I feel as if everything is so on the nose. Like even the lights went off the first week. Tom Phillips was like, oh my God, what is this? The, yeah. the lights? And it's like, <laughs> bro, just kind of like, you know, it could just be. On, sorry about that. Move yeah. on. And keep doing it, and you we bro smarks. They call smart marks for a reason. We're smart, man. We're gonna be like, yo, what's the lights like? We're gonna be like <laughs> analyzing everything. Like we'll get it. Like it's fine. Like we will see people in. You know, I don't like that. They, they kind of look like the ninjas a bit as well. They kind of oh, similar. Oh, the ninjas, man. Man. There's a lot of like I think there's a lot of issues they've got at the moment. So yeah, that's just, that's just my thought on it. To be honest, they just seem to just like chuck things together WWE they do, they're trying to make quite a few factions I mean they've chucked obviously Lashley MVP and Shelton together which I actually don't mind I like that I like that, yeah. I like that but I feel like are they, are they just compensating because you look at AW and you've got Inner Circle and the Elite who are like top draw factions and I feel mm. like they're just trying to chuck people together to almost maybe try and compete with them it's really as I said retribution is still early days and it makes me see who's actually behind it they could just, I mean, it could just get to the point where they just never turn up again. If they have no idea. They might even not even know who's in Retribution. They, they probably don't. even be that idea to it. 
I mean, literally, that could be the thing. And if it is, and that's just a load of shit, why do it if you don't know the reason? I feel they just, they chuck stuff on television. Something like Rowan with his shitty little cage, that's, and then at the end of the day, it was just a crappy little spider. And I reckon they had no idea. Yeah, and they got really, I reckon they had no idea. They don't know where stuff is going. No. That is the issue they have. They Same with the hacker. I don't think they knew who the hacker was. And then they realised, yeah. okay, there's no one that can do it. We'll drop it then. I, I don't know. I, I, I know. got scooped. But as I said, it's early days. We'll have to see where it goes. Fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed they have a feud with the ninjas. Yeah, That'd be great. Something, actually, that would be worth being on television. The ninjas. Yeah. The ninjas. Oh, actually, while you mentioned that, our troop what is he, 38 time, 20 Yeah. Awesome. My guy. Congratulations. <laughs> no one's going to be any better than him at that title. Remember, we said last week, didn't we? They gave Shelton the belt. Like, yeah, let's, let's have him hold it for a bit. He then drops it. So there's that night, in a fucking triple threat match. What is <laughs> he, it did, he did beat Apollo Crews, to be fair. Yeah, I know. It didn't make any and sense. Shelton's a fucking big dick. Apollo. Apollo just loses, mate. He literally just loses. So I, I, he just loses. But I think they should just take the belt off him because you're clearly not invested in him at all. No. I feel like they don't give a shit, really. But. No. Uh, but very briefly, because we have talked to this subject to death, but um, Oscar will challenge Sasha Banks at SummerSlam now for the War Women's title. Uh, we talked about this subject so much, but Ian, I want to get your thoughts on uh, this general feud. It's involved Kyrie Sane, it's obviously involved Bailey, it's involved Before all sorts of cogs. Oh. Can we just talk about that horrific attack by Bailey, which has ended poor Kyrie Sane's <laughs> career? Her career, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No. Uh, She's been retired because of an attack. <laughs> That didn't even look. Then we see we see her debut on Dynamite next week. <laughs> 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 I am right. praying that happens. That was brilliant. But uh, yeah, no, Ian, what is your thoughts on this uh, feud? Do you think it's sort of gone on a bit long now, or are you still up for the match at SummerSlam? Yeah, obviously I've heard what you guys have said. Um, mainly when you were talking about like when Sasha first won, uh, well, quote unquote, won from Oscar. Um, I just think. And it actually maybe could link to everything we've spoken about already today, that when it comes to the women on the main roster, there is such a lack of investment in them and a lack of stock in the women. And you look at something like a retribution and raw on the ground, they're trying all these new things where they could take, you know, that 30 minutes, that half an hour they've taken to develop some of these women. Because Bianca Belair is, is a star mm. in the making. She should not be fighting Zelina, who's never been presented as a serious wrestler ever. Um, Shayna, they only started to ramp up recently, who was missing. And there was no reason, there was no explanation for why she was missing. You've got Ruby Riot, who is so good, and they've kind of forgot about it. Liv Morgan had potential, they were kind of building her up. Um, it just really frustrates me because it's like, I'm very invested in Bailey and Sasha because I feel as if they've never paid their dues. I think they spent maybe a good year. I mean, Sasha returned this huge, huge um, glory behind her. And then she, you know, she lost to Becky and then she just was losing every week on SmackDown. Um, and I mean, I'm a huge Sasha Banks fan, like huge, huge, huge. So I think for like a year or so, she was losing a lot. Um, and people have said like, oh, the women aren't getting chances um, because of Sasha and Bailey. But I'm also like, I feel as if when you're working with the main roster, WWE tend to only focus on one women's act at a time. And I think this is the best women's act at the moment. It's the one people are most invested in. Because, like, you know, Ember Moon fought Bailey at SummerSlam for SmackDown Women's Championship. And that is a huge match on paper. But I don't even remember what happened. Nope. I remember, Bayley was, I remember it was a shit match. I yeah. Know, like, we said Underwhelming. It was really Very, cool. It's like, 
don't remember Bailey versus Lacey. Bailey versus Nikki was only very interesting because of the other counterparts. So it's like, I, I don't think we're ready yet to focus on the other women until WWE themselves can say, let's build them up and put stock in them. So right now, I'm very invested in Sasha and Bailey. I think Asuka's just really been ruined. I mean, NXT Asuka was one of my favorite characters ever. And I think this jovial, very over-the-top, happy Asuka just doesn't do it for me. I know a lot of people have liked it, especially when lockdown first happened. It was necessary, you know, she was, she was loud, she was bodacious, it's what you need when there's no crowd, but I just don't see her threatening. She was given the title by Becky. She never really beat Nia Jack. She beat Charlotte, but then Charlotte was leaving anyway. So it was like, she's not had this credible reign and it will take a lot to really get stock back into her. So I think just put all your eggs in Sasha and Bailey, invest in it, have a really big women's feuds that has a massive payoff. Um, I want it to keep going longer. I know people thought SummerSlam, but I'm like, you know, just keep going with it. Keep adding layers to it. Sasha and Bailey, they're just on form right now. They're at their peak. Similar to Randy Orton, if you've got someone as a performer who you're invested in and is doing their best work, invest in them, give them the chance and just let them fly to the moon, I think. Well said. Uh, and actually, it's interesting that you say all that because, Connor, I know that you're, uh, you differ sometimes in your opinion of this storyline because you've, you've been crying out for um, Asuka to get the belt back. You hate the fact she lost the belt. Um, so would you, what's your response to what Ian just said? Um, I, I, t- I totally agree and I take it on board, but um, I just think sometimes pushing two people at the expense of other people is a problem. And, and I do understand what you're saying, the fact that they haven't been built up, but you just talked about NXT Oscar. We know what Oscar can do. And then for her to suddenly come up here and suddenly be buried straight away really confuses me. And I think you only have to watch the match against Bailey to see how talented she is. You've only got to watch that and, and, and to understand. So I think sometimes I do get it. And, and like you said, Andy, it was always going to be a sort of a filler title because she never won it properly. She was given it. It was only because Becky, you know, got pregnant and had to go and have a child. And, and I do completely understand that. But you've seen, you know, you talked about Ember Mooney and I don't know if you saw, she did an interview saying that um, it's risky putting it all in, all on them because at the expense of the other wrestlers, you know, Naomi, poor girl's been being put in a karaoke contest mm. and out of that comes a feud with Lacey Evans. And it's like, you just got to be, you just got to be very careful. And I think I quite like the idea of Sasha losing at SummerSlam because of Bailey, because yeah. I like, I liked how Sasha threw Bailey under the bus on Friday, uh, sorry, on you know, Monday before saying you have to you have to beat my best friend Bailey to face me and you could see Bailey was like, Oh, geez, I really don't have to do that. And I quite like that. Maybe Bailey tries to interfere and gets it wrong and then Sasha loses and then you can start to see a bit more of a fraction in the relationship. Because I quite like the idea of Bailey having the gold and then Sasha being sort of jealous of Bailey and then that sort of sparks when they finally do have to turn, whether that's Bailey on Sasha or Sasha on Bailey, whoever they decide to do, I think it could work both ways. Um I'm just sick to death of seeing Oscar get buried because she's just so talented. And in NXT, she was undefeated for a reason. Um, they were brave making that twist when she did come up and then she did lose to Charlotte at WrestleMania. I thought they were brave about doing that. But then since then, they've just continued to dig her grave deeper, really. Uh, Rob, would you like to see the Sasha Bailey turn happen at SummerSlam? Or are you like Ian and you want to see it layered further on? I, I, th- I, I think they've invested so much in it already. You've got to keep it going to be honest. Um, Regarding, I said last week, uh, it wouldn't be surprised me if it would be Oscar Banks at SummerSlam, mainly because there is no other woman on Raw who can face Banks. There isn't anyone else. They've stuck Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan back together, which 
fucks me off more than anything in the fucking world. Right squad is finished. It's done. Alex McCarthy going, I like it. Fuck off. No, I don't like it. It's a load <laughs> of shit. Liv Morgan has been buried to death. Her and Ruby Wright are talented wrestlers, but clearly they just don't think they're good enough as singles competitors. I, I, I don't understand why you put them back together for them then, for them to, for Liv to lose to Peyton Royce. I, I, don't, I, I don't. And the Iconics, man, they came back and they've literally done fuck all. I, I, I don't. Baser's, yeah, she's on doing the shitty Raw Underground. Cool, fine. Bianca, at least she's on television, I suppose, is the only positive I can say. But as she said, fighting Selena. Selena, I love her on the mic and comedy. She's a brilliant manager, but never been a credible, credible wrestler for some time. And there's just no one else. I mean, Lana's with Vitalia. What do you fucking do? I'm going to about that, to be honest. I think Raw, mate, they're women. They, especially Raw. They've they got talented people. They're just not using them. Natalia should play on the facts of her history, though. I like that she mentioned that. The She's the most she winniest woman in yeah. history. That she is an impressive statistic. Around for fucking she should play ages, on that more she? to get herself more opportunities. She don't need that. Her last, her last one was SummerSlam against Becky, wasn't it, when she lost? I think so. Yeah, they had that submission last year, didn't they? Yeah. So, um, she should play on that. I hope. I think Oscar will beat Banks at SummerSlam. I, I think. I think she probably will. I was like, realistic. I've what? I, I don't really know. Because you can't. I, I don't want there to be a winner takes all match. I've said it already between Banks and Bailey. I think Bailey yeah. should hold the title up until they yeah. have that final. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone on SmackDown is credible to take it off Bailey. Well, and, I suppose at, if you want to talk about now, draws us on to the triple brands. Because I imagine that's probably why they've done it because they feel. I wonder if that's why they're going to move someone up from NXT, perhaps because they don't they don't feel Raw or SmackDown is lacking lacking anyone credible enough to face Bailey because she's faced Nikki yeah. Cross to death. Bliss is getting attacked by the fiends. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I love, but she's getting attacked by the fiends. Sonya and Mandy are still doing their thing, which I enjoy, and I believe Sonya. I think they'll have a SummerSlam match, won't they? Probably. Yeah, I think I think Sonya's put behind the days. Well, I hope she has, where she's getting made to tap out by Carmella, who's just disappeared as well. Naomi and Lacey are feuding. So I feel like facing Bailey, they're going to, I feel moving someone up from the next tee is going to be what's happened, I would have thought. I mean, I, I will, I will, are we going to touch on it now? Are we going to touch on it later? Touch on? The Battle Royale thing. We'll talk about that later. But for okay, right, I think we're going to go from... I'll go into uh, a bit more detail later. Then, yeah. But yeah. Regarding Banks and Oscar, I, I think Oscar will win and then give Oscar a credible run. Please, because as Ian said, she's she's, she's soft. She's soft at the moment. She really has. So, I, 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 this is a girl who was um, a girl. So I shouldn't call her a woman who was unbeaten when she arrived in the main roster. Won the Royal Rumble. Had that unbelievable match with Flair at WrestleMania 34. And since then, uh, fuck knows, fuck knows, mate. Remember when she won the title at TLC? And then I, that's when I started watching. I didn't fucking see her till Fastlane. She defended against Mandy. I, I, I just, I don't understand half of what they do with some of the people. I really don't. It pisses me off. I, 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 we I could tell. Yeah. We, uh, could <laughs> so we could do better things with the women on that. It just pisses me off. There's so much talent they have at their disposal. Yeah. I just feel they're not using it. But they're going to go with Banks and Bailey, so push it and do not fuck it up. Because if they fuck Banks and Bailey up, then... Just may as well ditch your women's division. There's no fucking point after that. May as well yeah. just sack it off. Just stick to karaoke <laughs> if it goes wrong. Right, from oh. Monday nights to Wednesday nights now. Of course, the Wednesday night wars carried on uh, last week. Uh, AEW again won the ratings, but uh, a great viewing figures for both shows. Uh, I'll talk you through a bit about AEW, and then I'll hand over to Connor for his usual uh, NXT 
bit. So, uh, lads, I want very quickly want to get your perspective on uh, the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara feud, which has uh, really been kicking off recently. And in fact, Sammy Guevara has found himself again in a bit of hot water because the spot where he hurled the steel chair at his face uh, was actually not particularly planned. The blood that came from Matt Hardy's head, he did not, he did not blade, did not gig. That was a legit bust open incident. Uh, Ian, what were your thoughts on this feud? Do you think Sammy Guevara's really on thin ice at the moment, given his suspension and then uh, legitimately busting Matt Hardy open? Oh, um, I didn't realise that was unplanned. Um, I kind of thought they had like, I don't know, because with Matt having the red hair and then, I don't know, I kind of <laughs> thought they like intentionally did it or something. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he should be in too much trouble for that. That obviously was clearly it's an accident. They were having a brute, that brawl was really brutal. Yeah. Um, I think what AEW is doing right now, which is really good, is using these well-established stars that we know to build up younger people. Um, and I think Matt Hardy coming out and really talking about his legacy, talking about all these different incarnations of himself. And I love this, you know, him beating death. I love that whole, Matt Hardy is just this legendary person who's always going to be there. So I think Sammy going after him is a perfect person. The Spanish God, man, he's just, you just hate him. He's just despicable. Mm. Um, so I think AW does that really well because we've seen it in other parts of the show where they're using established people. And you can clearly see this generation gap in AW where you can see the up and comers and then you see the well-versed, well-known people and you see this gap. But I don't think you see on Raw and SmackDown. Um, I know they've tried to allude to it in Drew and Randy's feud, you know, kind of alluding to that. I think AW does that really well. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested to see this match for us. I like, I like the divide as well, like you said, Ian, between the the veterans, if you like, and then the up and comers, the rookies, the uh, the people like Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen. It's another great example: Darby Allen versus John Moxley. You take an established star, put him with the young kid, and uh, see the match. And Connor, I can see you in your face. You enjoyed the, the main event match for the world title. That was, that was an unbelievable match. I mean, I'm sure we'll get onto it, um, so I won't. I'll park that there for a minute. But um, I like how they've just carried on Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Like they didn't, they didn't cut it short because it building up before Guevara. Guevara's comments came to light and he had to, you know, take his suspension. But I'm glad they've, they've carried it on. They haven't forgotten. You know, they haven't just done like WWE where they just start something and then forget it if something goes wrong. They've decided to carry it on. And I think it's really good because, like you said, he's putting over people, you know, also how he's working with private party as well, you know. Also, it's great for them. Um, and I'm really excited because they're both super talented. And I know, as you, as you just informed us, I didn't realise either that that was, you know, not meant to happen in the blood. But I also think that actually helped help the feud it made it think you you know you turn around and went, wow this is this is serious he has a he has a disdain for Matt Hardy uh, so to speak so yeah really excited for that which I presume they'll probably have their match at is it, is it all out the next one Andy yeah, is it all, all out? out I always get confused it's all out in September so yeah looking forward to it Rob you've always been a Sammy guy are you uh, fully involved in this feud as well invested should I say I model I model my look after him actually with the back of the cap <laughs> that's what I go for um, I don't I really understand the grief I mean Probably a lot of people are still annoyed at him after the comments he made against Banks, which are obviously unacceptable, and he did get punished for that. But I think I agree with Connor. I think that uh, what well, the incident which happened, which called um, Hardy to bust open, just play off it. I, th- I think it could add to the feud even more. I watched it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, I, I feel bad for Hardy that his head's just been busted open, but he, he's been around for so long. I'm sure he's he's experienced similar things in the past. Like Ian said, they're using. Matt Hardy, right? WWE just kind of just fucked him off, but you're using him now to, as you said, push these young superstars. Because Private Party, 
an unbelievable tag team and will go on to do great things. And Sammy Guevara as well is such a talented wrestler. And when they have that match, it will be class. I just thoroughly it was just it was Dynamite was just another good show. Dynamite is just they can do very little wrong in my eyes. I struggle to disagree with what they do each week. I find it very hard to find any flaws. And that segment again was just another brilliant part of the show. And it is worth mentioning that um, tonight on Dynamite, we saw it right at the end, a uh, tease, and then confirmed later on the night after the tag team match between Cody and Matt Cordona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, and members of the uh, Dark Order. We saw Scorpio Sky of SCU face Cody in the tunnel, uh, tap the title belt as if to say, I want a match. And that has been confirmed for uh, this week. And lads, by the way, it's worth knowing that Cody's unfinished TNT title, the Weir's red silver plate belt, is actually going to be finished and the, uh, the, the finished design will be unveiled tonight on Good. Dynamite. And uh, Someone, can, take it. Someone can take it off him, then. You reveal the new one, take it off him. There you yeah. go. Simple. Well, this is what I was going to ask Ian, because these lads, Ian, are slightly... Uh, I don't know if bored's the right word, but they feel Anti like the, Cody Rose, if I am. the TNT title reign of Cody's gone on a bit. They feel it's a bit stale. I personally disagree. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the matches week in, week out. What say you? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go in the camp of, yeah, getting a bit stale, in my opinion. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Of course, I think it's admirable that Cody's, you know, had this secondary title, not the main one. Um, but I do think, I don't know, it's, it's hard to watch Cody sometimes, I think, because um, he does have great matches. Um, but it's almost like, I don't know, you're just watching someone who's like kind of separated from everyone else sort of thing. He's kind of in his own world, like Cody's this massive star, and then he kind of just does his own thing. So it'd be cool to see um, uh, Scorpio Sky like beat him. So I think that would be huge for him, like a huge push. Um, so yeah, I'm ready to see it end and see what Cody does next. Cody doesn't need a title. He, him and himself, yeah. he's a big enough star just to have his own feuds, and people will watch anyway. So give the title to someone else. And I'm with, I'm with Ian on that. SCU made a big point of sort of splitting up so that Scorpio Sky could go on this sort of singles run and give him the push. So I think why would you build up all of that for then Scorpio Sky not really to do anything? So he, he might be the right man to take it off, Cody. Who knows? Stuff. Uh, well, we'll definitely see about that. Of course, that's on Dynamite tonight. Uh, also on Dynamite uh, last week was the debate. A fantastic, fantastic, fantastic segment between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Who can do no wrong in my eyes? This is the most I've ever heard Orange Cassidy speak. In fact, if, if someone, if he, if his voice was played to me, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't identify it. I couldn't identify who it was. That's the first time I've heard him sustainedly speak. And I thought it was amazing. The special guest moderator was none other than Eric Bischoff, which I thought was a huge coup, getting him on just after he's been uh, fired from WWE. He, did, he played the role really well. And I thought the comedy was off the charts. It's very rare, actually, you know, in wrestling, where I really laugh, have a good laugh. And yet I really did with this segment. I thought it was brilliantly done. The Orange Cassidy with the, the global warming answer was just genius. It was so brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Ian, would you, do you like Orange Cassidy? Because he has his distractors. He has his critics who say he takes the piss out of wrestling. He's not, he, you know, he's not, he's not a, a traditional wrestler. What, what do you think about it? Do you think it adds something fresh to the business? I love that man. Talk about fresh. I want some fresh orange juice on me. <laughs> I love that man. I saw him, I first saw him at a PWG show and I was just like, this is brilliant. This is wrestling. We talk about doing stuff fresh and doing stuff different. You know, we talk about Raw having to like, well, undergrounds, like kind of catering to this MMA stuff. No, go further into wrestling. Exploit wrestling. Like, 
there is no other sport and same industry that can do what pro wrestling does have a man come out in jeans with his hand in his pocket but have insane levels of athleticism you know have these promo this is amazing i think orange cassie is so good and a lot of people were concerned when aw first signed him but i just think he's absolutely shot and i think what that debate showed was like i was like wow like when he spoke i listened it's really it's i think it's a really big thing in wrestling to have someone who you hold on to every word and so when orange County spoke and i listened to everything obviously the go warm stuff went over my head but the rest of the stuff was like you really thought oh wow like he's got a good point like if he if jericho does lose to him then that's like so embarrassing for jericho so it's like orange Cassidy, i think has got it perfect in terms of that entertainment and they're starting to show a more serious side to him, which I think was really key. It couldn't just be always comedy because, you know, you've got to get in the ring at some point and wrestle. Um, so I just thought, yeah, I'm a huge advocate for him. Really think that's what wrestling's about. Not overdoing it, finding a good balance and just, yeah, I think the whole segment was perfect in my opinion. Do you think, you'll be, do you think he'll beat him? Do you think Cassidy will beat Jericho? That was the next yeah. question. Yeah. What do you reckon? Um, I'll, and I'll go round the circle as well. Um... I'm going to say no. I don't think he will. I think Jericho will beat him. Um, but I do think we'll see more from Cassidy in this match than we have seen in his previous matches. Um, I think he will push Jericho to a limit, but I do think Jericho ends up beating him in the end. And it's worth noting that Cassidy has already lost to Jericho, which is the reason why I think Cassidy might actually beat Jericho in this one. And then they may have a rubber match. Both having one win each. What do you think, Rob? Do you, would I would The two working together is just, it's just brilliant. It's comedy gold. It's, it's entertaining. It's not the shit WWE tried to do with like Baron Corbin pouring dog food on someone, which is just <laughs> not funny at all. This, this is proper entertaining and this is it's what you enjoy to watch. Um, it's quite a big decision for them because I suppose... We've seen Cassidy, and yeah, people say he is a bit of a joke, but he can't actually wrestle. Suppose if they were to have him beat Jericho, which would be huge, obviously just because of who Chris Jericho is, such a legend in the industry, perhaps would suggest that they are going to start taking him a bit more seriously as a wrestler, could go on to have even bigger feuds, maybe even title shots in the future, which I'm sure some people say is a shit idea. Other people say, absolutely brilliant, why not have him go for like the TNT Championship or something in the future? But yeah, I would have him beat him and I'd happily see another match between the two because the two working together are just brilliant. Chris Jericho could work with anyone because the man, I mean, I'd love to get, get me a dinner for three, <laughs> Chris Jericho and Tony Khan, so I can get absolutely smacked because the two of them are the greatest <laughs> men on this planet. I don't even care. I would have Cody, but I don't really like Cody anymore. So, Aww. but they're just, they're brandy, just working. Yeah, oh, Brandy. Yeah, yeah that'll do. Uh, but, but it's just, go on. Yeah, so yeah, it's just, it's just brilliant. The debate was brilliant. And Eric Bischoff as well. Just class. Just just keep rubbing more shit in Vince McMahon's face. Brilliant. Also, uh, read, flawless, read, flawless, Andy. I've, I've no criticism at all. I read an interesting uh, Easter egg point that uh, the suit Eric Bischoff wore was the suit that he wore for his almost interview, if you like, for the executive producer of SmackDown, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Good from Eric. Uh, also, nice. Connor, I'll get Greg quickly get your prediction as well for this match. Uh, it's worth noting as well that uh, Best Friends and the Inner Circle are banned from ringside for this their, their match coming Ooh. up. So does that change it for you? Because uh, either way, it has to be a clean win, really, unless the referee gets hurt or whatever. I, I, I actually don't know is the honest answer, but obviously I, I, will, I will say because it'd be boring if I just sat in and said I don't know. Um, but I, I really don't know if I had to go for somebody, I'd probably say Jericho. 
I just I don't know if losing to Orange Cassidy. And I, I know I know he likes to you know you know put people over and promote people, but I don't know if losing to Orange Cassidy might be a little bit too far, and they might have something planned for him after this. So. I'll go with Ian and I'll say Chris Jericho, but I wouldn't be surprised if Orange Cassidy won. I think it's going to be very, very close. And I think there'll be a few surprises in the match as well. Absolutely right. Yeah, look forward to that one for sure. And uh, last but by no means least, uh, we'll talk about this very briefly, was the uh, AEW World title match. We alluded to it. John Moxley taking on Darby Allen. Uh, a stellar match. Better than their previous match they had, in my opinion. This uh, certainly was uh, not one for the weak of heart. I mean, some serious bumps that Allen take. I don't know how he's not dead. The man takes some serious punishment. Uh, John Moxley, as usual, you know, he, he, he always performs. He's, he's totally different to Cody in that I understand the point of him getting stale, Cody, but John Moxley, I, I see no end in sight for him with the world title. I love it. Um, yeah, what did you think of the match, Ian? Did you enjoy John Moxley versus Darby Allen too? I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think for me, what was key was um, John's promo before uh, early in the night when he was sat on the stairs and he had an AW belt behind him. And that, for me was the story it was it's we've seen john obviously evolve in his character i mean you look at him starting in ccw he was darby allen he was that yeah. reckless put his body of life on the line that sort of thing so he sees himself in darby so it's like we've kind of gone on this journey journey with john he's now becoming a person and it was like kind of weird to see him be the person be like all right enough's enough there's a line um and to have this almost him looking over Derby and looking out for him and he's like I'm gonna have to beat you but like I know he's not gonna stop he's gonna just keep going and I think that was such a good story to have to tell and then Derby to come out in this mask of John and it's just like showing this such this audacity of someone who's like I said that generation gap someone who's young he's reckless and he's reaching for that glass ceiling he wants to break through it and Derby's coming out and he's saying you know what you've just said all these nice things about me. You care for my health. I don't care, man. I'm going to come out in a mask of you and show you that I'm, that's who I am. I'm still me. I don't care what you said about me. I don't care who you are. And I'm going to go for it. I want that title. And I think that for me enhanced the match so much. So yeah, brilliant storytelling in my opinion. He's my personal favourite of the youngsters of the original sort of AW breed of stars, Darby Allen. I saw him live uh, at the Fighter Fest year one. He was outstanding, stole the show. Uh, Connor, I don't know what you thought about this match, but judging by your facial expressions, I'm supposing you enjoyed it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, we talk about proper wrestling. That is proper wrestling. Proper storytelling and proper wrestling. The bumps Darby Allen takes are just insane, like you said, Andy. I mean, the man, what is he doing? I mean, even when he wasn't medically cleared, he's filming himself, throwing himself off a balcony into a pool. <laughs> And I'm like, this kid is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I loved it. I, I thought it honestly was an incredible match. I think just before, I can't remember what move it was, before Moxley had to hit the paradigm shift where he landed clean on his head, literally. Head pole, first. The pole the driver. Pole driver, that was it. And he was able to kick out. I thought that was incredible. But can we also just talk about John Moxley for a minute? My man gets hit with his own AEW title <laughs> in the face by MJF. I think it made him bleed. Yeah. Then... Darby Allen hits a coffin drop and he still kicks out. I, th I thought he was going to... I shat myself. I mean, I yeah, was gonna it, kick it was out a good false second. finish, that one. Was, that was is incredible. Way. Absolutely incredible. And then for him to be able to get up, hit a pile driver and then finally hit the paradigm shift, which was, it was too much for Darby Allen. I mean, that is fantastic. And it's perfect storytelling to build up MJF. Also, quick word on that. Love how he's pretending like he's doing a presidential campaign. Yeah. When you see the 
<laughs> later in <laughs> later in the year. I thought that was excellent as well. And she's going to build it up perfectly now because obviously Darby Allen's lost, and now Moxie can focus on on NJF, and they can have an unbelievable match as well. I just think it's brilliant. Main events like that. Honestly, if you put like like you said, Andy, you know I'm personally, you know, Ian and Rob agree with me, getting a little bit stale of Cody. You can put Moxley on any main event every week, and I'll enjoy it. I can guarantee. Absolutely, and Darby Allen does not come off any worse for losing no. John Moxley at oh, no, all. He's, he's only a baby, Unless, isn't he, Andy? Yeah. He's going to go I, on. I'd like him to go on to Brian Cage now because he's kind of yeah. You know, after the tag team match, obviously, then he had this match, and obviously, Cage was not allowed. At, AW. I quite like him to go for Brian Cage now because I think little versus large, like a David versus Goliath, pace mm. versus strength, agility versus brute force. I, I think that would be quite interesting as well. And Rob, it's, it, logically, it's got to be just MGF, John Moxie now all the way to All Out, surely? Oh, mate, I'm so hyped for All Out already. I mean, mm. the two matches we've discussed there for the world title, MJF and um, Moxie, and then you can throw... Hardy Gavarin, which could be a street fight or something along those lines. I'm so the match it's just gonna be class. Just fucking sick. I cannot wait for it already. I'm just counting down the days till it actually happens. But hey, Dynamite game was just a brilliant show. Didn't touch it though. Poor old Trent's mum's man. Disgusting. Oh. <laughs> Disgusting. I was fuming. I was fuming. I was kind of annoyed because Santana and Ortiz, we've said it, I know they put people over, but they just lost they lose it. Every week. But then they went and did that. I was like, okay, finally, so. there's been showing a bit of like grit. But that was it was just a brilliant show, and um, you know we haven't even mentioned the the twelve uh, man tag match that that opened the show as well. I mean, right. I mean, how good is their tag team division? You know, uh, uh, Omega and Page must be so worried about their titles because literally any of those tag teams could take mm. it and could be legitimate to take it. Absolutely, and I do kind of I almost feel bad because Young Bucks. I assume they would be the absolute stars of the tag team division for many, but they're they're, they're almost taking a back seat. They're almost letting all the other tag teams like go on. You have this sort of thing taken. Really. I think that, that, that shows you, isn't it? The pit. You talk about Cody as well, not putting himself up for um, the main title. It's just they, they put in the company before themselves, I think, a lot of them, which is just, I think that's probably why it's been so successful. It just seems like a family. You listen, we listen to AEW, they just seem like they're so close-knit, yeah. whereas WWE kind of get the feeling there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, which isn't all healthy. They will leave it there, but... Yeah, Brilliant show. I, I, I can't fault Dynamite. I can never can. No. I do have to say, my um, my biggest fault when it does come between AEW is just the women's division, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, just a, like a really big lack of, of women on the show. I think that's, yeah. for me, I love the show and it, it's great. And I know that they're, they're getting better definitely with the women's division now, but I think that's what NXT will always trump AEW for me in that regard. Um, and I think that's... They're not at a bad point. They've got a lot to prove on. But I just think, yeah, if you were to watch this episode of Dynamite, you've got a clear idea who the TNT champ is. You know who the AEW World Heavyweight Champion is. Very clear idea of who they are. Um, women's champ. You don't. It was, a, no it was just, it was Reba versus Big Swell, wasn't it? It was. That was the only women's match. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. But yeah, yeah. But it could done with a layered women's yeah, match elsewhere wasn't on the enough, card. Yeah, I can, yeah, I understand that point. Yeah. Obviously, they've got the women's... I want, just, are any of these women's tag team matches going to be on Dynamite? Or is it just going to be... I don't know, unless the final is, but it's just going to be YouTube exclusive. But I don't mind that. I think it's quite good because it builds up their YouTube channel as well. And we yeah. always talk about how much talent they have and they've only got the one show at the moment. So yeah. it's kind of good maybe to move. Actually, just before we finish, Ian, you make, you make a great point on the, on the women's division. Who, who's going to go for Shida now? 
That's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to hand it to you guys. I actually don't, um, I actually don't know, to be honest. Wendy, she hasn't been on TV, has she? For, no, well, she, she hasn't. In the crowd, but... I mm. would, well, I've always wanted the Britt Baker storyline to progress. She needs to finish up a big swallow. And it's a point to what Ian said about the women's division. It's a bit bad when your most over woman is in a wheelchair currently and can't wrestle. <laughs> yeah. She's the best woman on the show. And therefore, when, as soon as she does get better, I'd like her to beat Big Swallow. I love Big Swallow, don't get me wrong, but I think she's mm. not there yet. And then I'd have Britt yeah. Baker go for Sheeta and then have a, you know, and have Britt take the belt because she's yeah. the only logical yeah. one I can see taking it off. And Isla Rose can do her own little thing with Vicky Guerrero. They can have their own little bit and maybe later on she can come back. But at the moment, I think Britt Baker is the one. And that was Dynamite. Very good. Now I'm going to hand over to Connor Faraday, who will take us through NXT. And after that, we'll very, very briefly touch on uh, a little bit of SmackDown. So Connor, take it away. Thank you, Andy. Um, another good week for NXT, as you said. Uh, they did lose out on the ratings against AEW, but a good increase and, and a solid um, watch. Obviously, because of time, I won't, we probably won't have time to get around all three of you for your, for your opinions. So I'll go through the card. We'll touch on a couple of matches. I'll ask a couple of you for your opinions. I'll, I'll differ on the matches, but if one of you has something that you really, really want to say on, on one of the matches, obviously you can. Right, so to kick off the show, we had the number one contenders match for the women's... Um, uh, title to face Io Shirai NXT 30. It was between Dakota Kai and Rhea Ripley. Now, I'm actually very angry about this because I was that close from getting it completely correct. I said Dakota Kai could not beat Rhea Ripley one-on-one -on -one without any interference. I presumed that it was going to be Raquel Gonzalez, you know, her sort of body woman that's been around the whole time, been missing a few weeks, weirdly, not, not explained why, but it wasn't her. It was, in fact, Mercedes Martinez who got involved. While uh, referee wasn't looking, Rhea Ripley was in control, looked to be finishing off Dakota Kai, and then Mercedes Martinez came out of nowhere with a kick to the head, and then the finish from Dakota Kai while Rhea Ripley to get the one, two, three count. So Dakota Kai is going to NC30 to face Io Shirai. We all sort of agreed with that, Ian. I think did you, you probably were on the same wavelength. Did you yeah. think Kai would win? Yeah. Um, so that's the match. But Ian, while we're on you, what, what's Mercedes Martinez doing? Why, why is she picking a fight with Rhea Ripley? Yeah, it is interesting. And I guess it kind of depends on your opinion on the uh, Robert Stone brand. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of lost, he's kind of lost credibility, obviously. And um, a lot of people aren't too high on the, um, the little group he's got going. I personally really like it. Um, and it kind of links to this idea for me that I love the women having storylines that don't revolve around the title. And I think, you know, Sasha and Bailey having all the gold kind of shows that everything is about titles for the main roster. But I think NXT is layered. Obviously, uh, Robert Stone's got a problem with uh, Rhea Ripley. Um, Martinez is going after her. Um, man, that match would be brutal between them two. Like heavy hitters, powerhouses. Um, I think it was a good way. Uh, Rhea literally dominated the whole match, I would say. She came across really strong. Um, so to have Martinez kind of interfere and Kai kind of sneak away a win, um, I thought was really well done. Um, I think Rhea still got a long way to um, recover from, should I call it the Charlotte effect? I guess it's probably the best way to put it, um, which is kind of another gripe I've got with this triple brand battle royal sort of thing. So yeah, I think it was a good way to, um, to do it in my opinion. Um, Andy, you know, we've mentioned Mercedes Martinez. She appeared in AEW as well in that battle royal before she signed for uh, NXT. The week before, she said, uh, I will join the Robert Stone brand if you start getting me 
some more opportunities in which Robert Stone replied saying, yes, I will. Did you see this coming? No, and I was a bit annoyed I didn't see it coming because, you know, the Robert Stone brand, I know they've had their problems with Ripley, but when she beat them, uh, Robert uh, Stone and Aaliyah, I sort of assumed that would be curtains and I assumed Rhea Ripley would be off to greener pastures, maybe somewhere else. I mean, we were always saying that it could have been Raw or SmackDown she went to. I mean, God, they could use someone like her at the moment, that's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't see it coming. Uh, we all thought that Raquel Gonzalez might be the one to get involved. She hasn't. She disappeared. She, isn't, she wasn't around. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we all knew we wanted Dakota Kai to win the match. She probably deserved it and she has done, so that's all well and good. And I suppose it does free up the opportunity for Ripley to work with Martinez. You know, she's... Well known around the world, Martinez. She's been to Ring of Honor. She's obviously AEW for a very brief spell. Too short, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, she's coming up to the twilight zone of her career now. She's nearly 40. So um, I can't see her getting into a feud with Rhea Ripley and beating her. She seems to be the, the heavy, if you like, of the Robert Stone brand. I remember she uh, attacked uh, uh, Green Hair, uh, Blackheart. Blackheart. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Chelsea Blackheart. So she's, she seems to be the heavy of the group. Who have a big heavy feud and a, a you know a big match with uh, Ripley, but I assume Ripley will go over. But then again, it's like what next with Rhea Ripley? I agree with Ian though. It's nice to see women being involved in a feud that doesn't revolve around title. It's purely uh, just a, a basic feud, one on one. You know, tit for tat, who's the best? Yeah. Um, so yeah, look forward to seeing the match. Uh, I assume Ripley will go over, but more time will tell. We need to see Ripley's reaction to uh, losing the match first. Well, hopefully it will evolve uh, in tonight's episode. And, and hopefully we see Io Shirai as well. I'm uh, missing Io Shirai. I'm a big fan of the withdrawal symptoms from her. Hopefully she's back on, back on to talk about the upcoming match at NXT 30. Right, moving on. Um, we've talked about this so much, haven't we? It, it is going to be a five-man ladder match for the North American title at NXT 30. Now, before we go on to what happened with, with Dexter Loomis, there was another triple threat this week. Uh, Damien Priest took on Orny Lorcan and Rich Holland, in which Damien Priest pinned Orny Lorcan. I think we all kind of expected that, didn't we? We thought Damien Priest would be the man. Now, Dexter Loomis has an injury. Now, we're not sure whether this is a legitimate injury, but we believe that it is because it was done off air. And in my opinion, I, I thought that Dexter Loomis was going to be the man to win. Mm. So what they've done now is there'll be one more triple threat match this week. Um, it's between Jake Atlas... Um, Cameron Grimes and a, and a question mark, a random competitor. We don't know who it's going to be. Um, we'll find out on Wednesday. And then what they're going to do is they're going to do two singles matches between the four people that weren't pinned in each triple threat. So Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano and Ridge Holland as it stands. And then obviously the final person. So Rob, I think Regal's made sort of, you know, a decent situation out of quite a rubbish situation, if that makes sense. Um, do you think he's done, he's done the right thing? Or would you have liked to see sort of another, sort of maybe a triple threat or fatal four-way between other people? I think he has done well to make the most of a bad situation because when I heard the news that Loomis was injured, gutted, to be honest, because I was with you, Connor, I felt he, he was going to go into that other match and I, I would have had him win the belt and to see that he's not going to be in it is very, very saddening for me because I'm so high on the man. But it does free up the opportunity now for other people to get involved. And I think giving the opportunity to those who weren't pinned is perhaps a good idea. I mean, there's only so many people they can involve in the ladder match. So I don't know. The question mark in the match with Grimes next week, I, don't even, I wouldn't like to have to guess who that is. No. There's a lot of uncertainty over a few of their male superstars because some of them are rumoured to be involved with this retribution um, 
group, so it's unclear who would be involved in it. But I, I think Regal, he he's done he's done it before. He, he makes the best out of bad situations, and I'm still extremely excited for that that ladder match when it takes place, even if it is lacking in uh, one of the superstars I'm most high on at the moment. I, th- I think yeah, Regal's done very well to make the most bad situation. It gives gives my my mate Finn Balor another opportunity to try to try and do something because he, he's similar to Rhea Ripley. He's, he's had a fall from grace recently, especially during lockdown. So it gives him a chance to make, maybe perk up his um, career at the moment. Andy, do you agree with Rob? Has, has Regal made well out of a bad situation there? Yeah, because I think the best thing about these triple threats is that it's hard, they're hard, not all the time, but they have been hard to call, especially the, the Bala Gargano one. That was, that was a difficult one to call. And, um, you know, and it just, it just gives, it gives them extra incentive to go on and win the match. Uh, and I'd like to see Finn get it. I know he's been a bit lost in the woods recently, and I, but I can't be able to see Johnny Gargano go for it. He's one, he's one fresh, and Balor is fresh to that scene. Um, but yeah, I think he has done the right thing. And you know, I don't, I don't care for some of these other guys coming in that perhaps haven't got the pedigree. Uh, but it's good that they're getting the opportunities, such as Ridge Holland. I know Bronson Reed's in there as well, who I like. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think it's best. Best out of a bad situation. I've got it that Loomis can't be in there because he deserves to be in there because he's probably one of the best things about NXT at the moment. Uh, aside from that NAF match with Strong, he's, he's been on top form and he's, he probably would have been the man to win the belt. But uh, that hasn't happened. Uh, so I'd probably give it to the baby face and then have Loomis come back when he's ready and uh, topple him. Balor would be a good choice. Uh, it, it probably won't be Balor because he wasn't picked for the match originally. But hey, we'll see. Well, I, I, I gather that it's going to be sort of in the order that the matches have gone. So how I've gathered it, and we'll await confirmation on this. I'm not sure if this is how it's going to be. But as I gather, it's going to be Gargano versus Balor and then Holland versus whoever's not pinned in, in this match this week. That's how I've gathered it. But they haven't completely confirmed that yet. So, you know, that, that, that could change. Right, on to the next match. Um, well, the next match I've got written down. I can't remember the the exact order it went in, but we're going to talk about Keith Lee versus Cameron Grimes. Now, a squash match, we kind of knew it would be. Um, more importantly was the promo at the end when Scarlett walked out, Karrion Cross came up on the sc- on the big screen with bodies littered behind him and and basically, you know, saying, Keith Lee, I'm coming for you. Ian, we, we you know, me, Andy and Robert talked about this on numerous occasions. We, we know about Keith Lee. We've talked about Karrion Cross, but I'd like to, I'd like to get your, your opinion on this. Obviously, since Keith Lee, since you've not been on the on the pods, Keith Lee toppled Adam Cole, won both the belts, then you know decided to give up the North American Championship. Is carrying on with the NXT title. Um, he's he's going to beat Karrion Cross when they finally come to blows, isn't he? Surely. I think this is like the sort of feud that you um, is like kind of epitomizes what wrestling's about: um, the good versus bad turned up by 100 really and it's like I think it's nice to see Keith Lee is this very calm uh, he's very confident in his own abilities and I think looking at Keith Lee he doesn't look like your typical superstar who'd be holding the the biggest championship in in that brand and I think he's so confident in himself and who he is um, that when you watch Keith Lee it's seeing someone who's assured in their own ability and I think for him as a babyface, he's not, you know, making jokes about carrying cross or making slideshows about, you know, him and his, uh, him and Scarlett. And he's taking him really seriously. And I think you see that match with his facial expressions, his body language. I mean, even his use of um, explicit language last week. So it's like, I want to see Keith Lee 
whoops the mask, do you know what I mean? And Karrion Cross has been built so strongly because he's decimated Champa, who's one of the top guys in the whole comp in the whole brand, and then you know destroys Dajkovic. And from a size point of view, Dajkovic is a huge guy. So it's like, this is what you want: build people correctly. These two are going at it head first. Um, yeah, part of me thinks yeah, Keith Lee should win, but I mean, I can't see I I can't see Karen Cross going down easily. I can't just see him taking the one two three. I think they put so much stock into him. His whole gimmick, his entrance, everything with Scarlet. Um, he saw he's foreboding everything about him. And I think it's going to be that match where you can't call who's going to win. Um, I hope Keith does. I hope he prevails. Um, but you don't get much bigger than Karrion Cross after that, really. He's just yeah. the ultimate heel. Well, well, for me, I totally agree. I think Karrion Cross is one of the best characters and entrances in NXT, in the, in the company, really, and the way he's been built up. Um, is brilliant and uh, it's worth also noting one of those poor bodies that was lying on the floor in the background of his was Danny Birch and they now have a match this week oh. on NXT R.I.P. Danny Birch uh, Robbie you know we've talked we know you're not a fan of Cameron Grimes he got absolutely squashed Good. in this match but is he going to go and win the triple threat this week? Fuck off yeah Better bloody not. You can't, you can't get squashed like that and win a trip. Come on now, please. Uh, Hunter's better than that. You can't. You can't. Do. I'm hoping this question mark is is someone who is a serious threat to um everyone else in that ladder match. I'm hoping so. You can't please not Cameron Grimes. I can't have that man with a tile around his race. So I I don't know. I, I just I don't like him. There are some people you come across and their gimmicks. And I just don't like it. And I just don't like him. I really don't. I'm glad he got absolutely destroyed by Keith Lee. Like squashing him like the little buggy he is. He's like a little mosquito, isn't he, Grimes? Just can't get rid of him. He Grime time. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he did get squashed. And I think it's interesting, isn't it, in the build-up? You know, you have Keith Lee squash Cameron Grimes. Presumably, Karen Cross is going to go squash Danny Birch. And it really just sort of builds it up, doesn't it, to go, these two are the main guys. When they hit at NXT TakeOver the day before SummerSlam, it will be main event and it will be a show-stealer. Now... Boys, I, I thought we were going to go straight to the main event, but we didn't, did we? Because Tegan got a match. Oh, God's See, another win for Big her. Up. And her stocks raised, and she will win that NXT Women's title soon. You mark my words. Hmm. Anyway, moving swiftly on to the main event. It was for the uh, tag team titles, which really at the end of the match, you kind of forgot that it was for the tag team titles because throughout the whole match, it was sort of, the go-back between Pat McAfee and, and Adam Cole. And, and, you know, I don't know if you saw a few weeks ago, Adam Cole was on Pat McAfee's show and Pat was basically taking, taking the mick out of him and, and making small jokes. And then when they got onto commentary, Pat started saying, no, listen, you know, we're, we're past that now. We had a chat, we made up. And then he went on to keep making jokes when Adam Cole was literally right in front of him. And, and it, it was very bizarre. It kind of took it away. I kind of forgot that Imperium were defending the titles. You know, I was kind of thinking I was, I was getting more interested in what, in what Pat was saying about Adam Cole because this was the main event. I'll, I will get all three of your opinions. So I'm going to kind of split it in two. So I'll start with the match and then we'll go on to the sort of the Pat and Adam Cole uh, thing. Andy... I get it. Listen, I do understand. They're, they're building this match, which, which I will go on to. But again, it, it didn't really make Imperium look like champions, did it? No, the match itself disappointed purely because it clear, that clearly wasn't the story they were wanting to tell. They were trying to tell the story of Cole 
and uh, Pat, which is it's fine. You can do that, but it totally detracted from the match itself. On paper, Imperium versus Undisputed Era for the tag team titles, that is a main event, even of a takeover, it could be. It, it's, a, it's a big money match. And of course, not a lot of time has been dedicated to it, but um, it was a real shame because it did just feel like a, it, just, it was a letdown in the end because they, they clearly were not invested in it. It, didn't, it, was, it could have been an instant classic, but it wasn't. Um, I like to think they'll get in the ring again and have a rematch, this time just fully focus on them, uh, which would be great. Maybe at maybe TakeOver 30. I mean, both teams aren't doing anything that I know of at the moment, so why not? But um, yeah, it did fall a bit flat. But the ending itself, I know you'll talk about that individually in a second, but the ending itself in terms of the climax, not of the match, but of the segment as yeah. a whole, did work and that was built well but the match itself just felt like a filler to sort of be a means to an end I didn't really like that because I felt like uh, the four four guys involved deserve better well just because I'm worried about time we'll now go on to the ending so I can get all your views on the ending obviously in the end they had a little bit of a, a bit of a scuffle Pat McAfee Adam Cole had had enough of him saying all these things they got in a bit of a scuffle they were pulled apart Triple H Shawn Michaels all came down you thought it was fine and Adam Cole's kind of leaning over the table and out of nowhere Pat McAfee breaks free runs forward and kicks Adam Cole straight in the head. Looked like it cleaned him, cleaned him straight out. Uh, Triple H then responded later on, I think it was on social media, saying, come on then, Pat, if you're going to do that to Adam Cole, get in the ring at NXT 30 and fight him, to which Pat obliged. Rob, you are a massive Adam Cole fan. How did it feel <laughs> to watch him lose the NXT title and then two weeks later be cleaned out by somebody who doesn't even wrestle? <laughs> I, I said when he dropped the belts, I was like, where does he go from here? Well, now he's wrestling a washed up NFL player. <laughs> he gives it the big in, calling him small. Like, Who the hell does this idiot think he is? And now Adam's got to go in a match, which I think he's probably going to lose, annoyingly, because apparently this Pat bloke can wrestle. I, I don't know why they. Oh, I, oh. <laughs> I just feel really bad for Adam. Let go. Just, just leave, Adam, please. You've, you've done everything in NXT. Don't, don't let Hunter try and sway you with these dead-end feuds with people like this. I, I, don't, I don't man them on occasion, but come on, he's, he's, he's just dropped his NXT title. Give, give him a match against someone relevant, not Pat McAfee. I, can't, I, don't, I don't remember his name half the time. I, just, I have no interest in this, because he's probably going to lose. I just, I'll, I'll probably skip it at NXT 30. It'll just make me depressed, because I'm really excited for NXT 30, but this is not, I have no interest, couldn't give a crap. Ian... Ian Pat did an interview recently, I can't remember who it was with, and he basically said, you know, he's sick of seeing people coming into WWE who can't wrestle. And he, 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 he highlighted Tyson Fury. He said, you know, it's difficult. Tyson Fury is one of the best boxers in the world um, and he couldn't look good in a wrestling ring. But I will. Big words from him. Um, how do you think the match will go and who do you think will win? Um... I've seen some videos of Pat training. I think he can go in the ring. I think he's been training for a while now as well. And he's obviously a natural athlete. Um, um, I do kind of disagree with Rob, actually, to be honest. And I think, I do think this match, I'm, I want Adam Cole to go to the main roster, but I also don't because I'm scared of what will happen to him. Mm -hmm. And I do think, at an undisputed era as baby faces really intrigues me. I think this match is necessary for Adam Cole's turn. Um, I hate Pat. Similar to Rob, he just frustrates me <laughs> when I see him. But I think that's good because now people like Adam Cole anyway. But I think now we really want to see Adam Cole beat this guy. I think he definitely will win. I think he will beat Pat. I think Pat will show athleticism, but I do think Adam Cole will win. 
Um, and it's this kind of whole, you know, the wrestlers keeping wrestling to wrestling and trying to keep the outsiders out sort of story they're going for. I think having Triple H get involved, having Sean kind of showed how much um, interest they put into the match. They kind of wanted people to get, you know, involved, get hooked into it. Um, I think it's a necessary step for Adam Cole to become that babyface. Um, so I think beating Pac can then lead to someone else. And then we get to see evolution of Adam's character as opposed to him just fighting someone straight away um, as someone new. Because I think Undisputed Era is going through, um, through a change right now. So yeah, I think Adam gets the W. And Ian mentioned it there. Pat's been, you know, training, training for a while. But can he keep up with someone as talented and as fast-paced and skilled as Adam Cole? And, and you know, if Adam Cole's going to win, how over can he put Pat, Pat to make him look good? Well, to your first question, in a word, yes, he can hang with Adam Cole. Adam Cole will definitely, in wrestling, the veteran leads the match. That's just generally the way it goes. Uh, Adam will lead Pat McAfee. That's that's a guarantee. He'll definitely make him look great. He'll make him look like a million quid, 100%. Um, and, you know, in, history's told us that NFL players making transitions to the WWE do tend to do well. Uh, we've seen The Rock. He used to play football. He did, he, uh, you know, and he look at where he is now. Brock Lesnar made the transition to football as well. Um, I know Rob Gronkowski didn't quite make it to the ring, really, uh, but he, he showed glimpses of having a bit of charisma about him. So, um, yeah, I'm all for Pat. You know, I, I, I agree he's a bit of a heel. He's a dick. That's the point. I, I'd like to see him get beaten. I see no issue with it whatsoever. As long as Adam Cole does beat him, I don't think Pat will look, look bad at all for losing in his first ever match to the longest reigning NXT champion of all time. I don't think that will be in any way hurt his future career. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. It's something new, and I agree with Ian. I get, I get what Rob's saying, but it's something new for Adam Cole. I know he wants to join the main roster, but Ian used the word scared, and that I concur with that because that just shows how bad WWE's booking can be when you're actually scared for a wrestler to move yeah. to a, essentially a bigger platform, which is Raw or SmackDown. Um, so yeah, I, I look forward to this match. It, it, Takeover 30 card looks stellar, and this will be a good one. But I, I expect Adam Cole to go over just because he's got to, hasn't he? I wholly agree with Andy and Ian there. I think it'd be, I think it'd be a bit of fun. It'd be a great match. I think Adam Cole, as you said rightly, will win it. And just so our listeners know, Imperium did win that match because it kind of almost got chucked away under. Let's the get man like Walter back on television. He's back back yeah. Well, well I want to see more of him. I haven't got That's time for Imperium because I've seen um, Bartel and Eichner are stuck out there with Wolf and um, yeah. over here and. Walter's their mouthpiece. The rest don't really speak. So I think it's tough for them. And, and I, I feel, I know they were trying to build Pat versus Adam, and I do get that. But that match really did Imperium no favours because we, you know, we sometimes have to ask ourselves who are the tag team champions. And, yeah. and that match made me just really say the same. So before yeah. I hand back to you, Andy, we can all agree that Tegan Knox will be the next NXT Women's Champion. Mm. I can't agree that. Yeah, <laughs> will hold it for a long, long time, and then Tegan will come in and take it. And <laughs> Back to you, Andy. Yes. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, we, we, we wait to see about that one. Uh, right, very, 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 very briefly, we have to wrap this all up. It's been a long show. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but uh, there was a bit of news on, on SmackDown where Stephanie McMahon appeared on the Tron. Was it SmackDown? Was it Raw? I can't, I can't remember. They, they, they'll blur into one. It was SmackDown. Um, and she announced that there'll be a tri-brand battle royal, who, uh, the winner of which will face Bailey for the uh, SmackDown women's title. Uh, lads, individually, I'll just get your thoughts on who on earth there could possibly be that could win this. It is Tri Branded, so Raw, SmackDown, NXT people will go for this. And uh, as soon as that does happen, it's happening on Friday night, SmackDown. I assume they'll have a little feud going forward. But again, it might convolute things with the Bailey Sasha storyline. It, it, it's very confusing, but you know, I like to think they'll do well. I do like a good battle royal 
as means to get a number one contender. So, uh, Rob, I'll start with you. Who would you like, maybe not necessarily think will, but who would you like to see challenge Bailey? Well, I would have liked to see Rhea Ripley, but that's not going to happen now, annoyingly, because I think I've been saying I want her to make the jump up. Perfect opportunity for her to do so, because I think she'd give Bailey a hell of a run for her money and end up Banks probably get involved, so it wouldn't be a clean win for Bailey anyway, so it wouldn't hurt her, but that's not going to happen. Now I haven't got a fucking clue. I wouldn't. I, I don't know. I imagine someone from NXT, because Bailey's beaten everyone on SmackDown. Literally, she's beaten them all. Raw, no one credible on there. I mean, you could move Bianca maybe, but she seems to be worrying about her husband who supposedly got poisoned. So that seems unlikely as well. Uh, NXT is is the. I hate to say it, but. Connor's, Connor's mate Tegan Knox isn't isn't a terrible shout to be honest. Oh. She's a baby face. She she could. It's it's not an awful shout. There are people I there are people I'd less like to see um face Bailey than her. So I uh, would uh, be interested to see who they pick. I hope it's someone who is a credible threat to Bailey. I don't think whoever she is, she'll probably not lose because I'm because as we said, the Banks Bailey storyline probably will end up focusing around the SmackDown Women's Title with Bailey holding it. So I doubt, but. I think it's a good idea because Bailey has beaten everyone on SmackDown. Just get someone new facing her, especially at SummerSlam, which is one of the big pay-per-views. So she needs to have a credible threat. But I don't know. I'll say Tegan. Why not? Why not? Let's have Tegan face her. I Connor, do I, need, do I need to bother asking you, Connor? Yeah, for, obviously this is a, it's a podcast. So they can't see you're holding a Tegan Knox <laughs> T-shirt. I uh, am. I am. Is that who you'd like to see then? Why not, Andy? Why not? I read a tweet the other day. It was two years since she busted her knee open for the second time, might I add. She's been in rehab, coming back. She's come back now. She says she's sick of the comeback story. She wants to be known as her own person. It's the perfect opportunity. It's the perfect opportunity. Right, let's be real here. I don't think Bailey's going to lose the title. And I think Bailey losing the title would severely affect the Banks. Um and Bailey's storyline. However, maybe would they want Tegan to lose two title matches in quick succession? That's my only issue. The Joker could get involved, I suppose. Yeah. The Welsh Wizard, I think I think she'd be <laughs> a great shout for it. And show her full potential. She's got a lot of a lot of potential. Um I feel like that match against Shirai was wrong timing for her because everyone knew Io Shirai was gonna win. She just won the title, she wasn't gonna lose it. I, I'm very big on Io Shirai as well. Um, why not? Why not give her an opportunity? They're putting her on TV, you know. I, okay, against it was a match against Indy Hartwell. She was always going to win, but they want to put her on TV and they want to keep it up. So I'd like to see her. If you ask me who I think, I'm really not too. I'm really not too sure. Like like Ruff said, you probably think it would be somebody from NXT because she's faced. Well, I just want to see someone like Naomi get another shot. But then that happened quite recently, so that probably won't happen. So. Yeah. I'll go for Tegan. I'll go. There's someone returns. Ember Moon just rocks up, and they're they throw back yeah, to last yeah. year and they have another match. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. But there, there, there Dar- is. Charlotte yeah. comes back from surgery. Be- Becky Lynch yeah. is coming back with a, a, <laughs> with a, a massive huge belly. Butt. They can't find anyone else. So she's got a baby in her belly, so she has to bring Becky Lynch out. <laughs> Ian, what about you, mate? Um. Oh. I guess there's even this whole situation itself is just kind of showing there's a massive problem because. Yeah. There's no way that like, two weeks before SummerSlam, you gotta have an authority figure, which we, like, thankfully haven't got anymore, have to come out and say there's gonna be a tri brand battle royale. 
which is like, first of all, in my opinion, keep NXT away from <laughs> anything main roster, in my opinion. Yeah. We saw the Charlotte effect, as so I'm going to continue to say. I don't want to see any, I don't want to see them get corrupted. They've just recovered, right? Um, I don't want to see anyone from NXT personally go up. So I think, yeah, like you guys said, they will lose. Um, and I think it will just show that they're using NXT as a payback, just to harvest people to use them when they need and then tell them to go back. Um, I do, I put, I, yeah, I would go for someone who's maybe just established, like, I was, when Mickey James came back, I was like, yeah, why not? Like a legend, we haven't seen her in a while, you can yeah. establish her in the right way. Um, Maybe Natalia? Yeah, a Natty, like a leader, just someone you just, you kind of know. Natty could lose and she could be like, well, it doesn't matter because I still have the most wins, do you know what I mean? And something yeah, like that. exactly. It really hurt that much. Um, but I do have a feeling it will be something from NXT. Um, yeah, if Shayna hadn't obviously kind of made her intentions clear um, to Sasha, maybe I'd feel different. But part of me thinks, yeah, maybe Shayna, obviously uh, I think Sasha will lose to Asuka um, and perhaps Shayna would then chase Asuka. But I think, you know, mm. she's kind of a threat to the, the golden role model. So maybe I'm going Shayna Baszler. Could have been the perfect mm. chance to live, but they chucked her in a fucking tag team. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Live all Ruby could have. I would have been happy with Yeah, all Ruby. It's not yeah. going to happen, is it? Because... Just to lose to Peyton Royce in a scene. <laughs> no, for me, there's only there's only one winner of this uh, battle royal, and that has to be uh, Lana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hash, hashtag boat or whatever they were saying. Like, What's going <laughs> on? I know. No, in all seriousness, Naomi. I know it's recent. I don't care. Give her a pay per view match one on one. Yeah. That'll That's do me all, just yeah. fine. Uh, right, and that concludes Monday Night Gore, or Wednesday Night Gore, as it might be called today. But thank you very, very much, Ian, for joining us. I've loved having you on. I think we all have. Definitely have you back again very soon. Have you enjoyed yourself, mate? Man, it's been a blast. <laughs> Smart needs to bark, and I've barked a lot this podcast. So thank you guys for having me. It's been amazing. Absolutely, and we'll have you on again very soon. But thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. Uh, wherever you are in the world, do stay safe. And, of course, we will see you next time. <laughs>